Welcome to the Tiproxy Method, creating confident learners. The Tiproxy Method uses a unique combination of breath work, brain body work, gratitude, and a clay-based program to affect the neuroplasticity of the brain in students. To help strengthen their mind-body connection, help them develop a growth mindset, and most importantly, trust and confidence in themselves. Aloha and welcome to another episode of the Tiproxy Method, creating confident learners. I hope you're having a beautiful day wherever you're at and wishing you all the best. So I'm actually excited to talk about this. This is more outside the box stuff, but the non-obvious factors that negatively affect learning. And some of these we have control over, some of them we don't, and then we have tools that will help combat some of them. So I am excited to dive deeper. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. One way to support the Creating Confident Learners podcast is to leave a five-star review and written review anywhere you listen to it. Thanks so much, and let's get started. Be sure to sign up for the foundation course. This course is here to support you, both parents and educators. It teaches the exact foundational tools I have used with students to increase focus, ease anxiety, and help raise confidence and self-esteem so that they can succeed in all areas of their lives, including academics. It's made into bite-sized digestible pieces to help you apply these tools right away. So I often talk about how everything is interconnected in academics and how we can often help children succeed in academics using other tools that help them be more confident, help them process information better, help them become more critical and critical thinkers for themselves and independent learners. And I'm always just some of the things that have stood out to me over the years, again, I've been teaching for 20 years, both in and out of the classroom, are lack of confidence. That's actually the first factor. I've always said that success in in school, success with new information, success in academics stems from self-confidence. I mean, this, this podcast is called Creating Confident Learners. And tied to that is anxiety and negative self-talk. There's also, I've noticed, when uh, synaptic brain connections are not as strong or the balance is not as strong, the mind-body connection is not there, that affects academics adversely, as well as lack of focus or lack of being embodied and multitasking. So a lot of times we glorify multitasking in society and life and so forth, but really people who are single task, single minded and in the flow, that's really where things get done really well. Comparison is an adverse effect and factor to academics and affect learning lack this lack mentality or not having enough little successes in school or out in school in life that kind of chips away at self-confidence diet can be a factor as well to learning maturity in comparison to where a child is at compared to their peers and then also too much technology so this doesn't help with attention span the brain body connection it kind of gives a sense of instant gratification with the dopamine and serotonin hits and also we know that with the brain the brain is developing for the first 24 years but the best way to build synaptic connections is through tangible stuff through the body the body connection the mind body connection um, that helps process and create 
more synaptic connections in the brain. So let's look at what each of these tend to look like in general and how it does play out in the world of academics. So the the first one, again, is lack of confidence. The way that I have seen this over the years is more of a shutting down behavior. Kids kind of like body language or not participating or kind of even you can see the look on kids' faces. That's that shutting down behavior, not sharing a part of them, not really being lit up. Fidgeting. So the kids who really fidget with stuff or destroy things like ripping papers or erasers or playing with stuff in their hands consistently can look like a lack of eye contact, hunched over body language. And then of the worst, the most extreme I see is where it's kids are starting to say, I can't, I'm stupid or not even really willing to try. These are all hindrances to being able to show up in a school setting to show up fully for them as a student, as you know, in the academic setting. So a lot of times lack of confidence is shown in the behavior, both the body language and what they're doing. The the next one that I listed was anxiety and negative self-talk. This is tied very closely to that lack of confidence and self-esteem, but also kids who get test anxiety or have perfectionism to the point that they won't even try. A lot of times I'll watch kids when they're doing their handwriting, one sentence will take so long because they're redoing and and going back and and the perfectionism is now gotten in the way of them actually completing a task. A lot of times what I do with uh, kids, I say it's thinking work. It's just, you know, we're just getting our thoughts on the paper. We're getting it out. That's the first part. They often will dismiss themselves or go to the bathroom to get out of a, a task. They'll, and they can be really negative overall to themselves or others. Again, this is tied to that shutdown behavior, um, doing poorly on big tests, and just kind of not being fully present. Again, we can help this with breath work and gratitude and actually change the thought processes and patterns and help overcome anxiety, focus, and confidence and negative self-talk. They say that everything around us, the people, the things we watch, the music, the things we read, our social media feeds, all affect who we are and how you feel about yourself as well. So but just by changing a few environmental factors, we can also start to help kids with that. When they get banks of successes, little progresses, especially in the school setting, if that's where they're struggling, um, and really bringing to their attention the things that they are accomplishing, those things over time can chip away at these anxiety and lack of confidence and negative self-talk. But my two biggest go-to tools is breath work and gratitude. Again, when students see me, whether it's on a computer or in person, we always start three grateful things and breathing of the day. The other thing is with kids, whether or not there is that strong processing of the brain, the brain-body connection, a lot of times balance can tell what's going on. This can also present itself as not knowing their left and right to the set of sides of their body. So which hand is the right side, which hand is the left but not being able to balance on one foot tells us a little bit about the brain, how the two brain hemispheres, the left and right hemisphere are communicating or not communicating as well. So the balance can actually influence that um, process in the brain um, and create some of that neuroplasticity and connections just through body work. So that's where kids really playing and using their hands, drawing you know, writing numbers, chalk, all that stuff is gonna help, especially in the younger years. And 
some of the processing stuff, if a kid really has trouble remembering basic math facts, miscarrying numbers when adding or multiplying multiple digits, this has something to do with the processing of information. Lack of motor skills can definitely hint as to what's going on and whether other skills like handwriting and tasks like cutting are easy or hard. So I'm always interested in how the brain body is communicating, what the fine motor skills look like too, and how to help that through balance and ball work and so forth. Some of the stuff that is in um, the foundation course. Another factor that affects learning negatively or can is this lack of focus or lack of being fully present in the body, being disconnected to the body. And this can show itself through multitasking. Again, I always teach kids that it's much better to do think one thing at a time, to be fully present in that one thing, to absorb it fully and then turn off later. So multitasking in the world of academics isn't actually that helpful. So students who are highly distracted, especially maybe in a group setting or just tend to space out in general, this can affect where they're at in comparison to their peers or what they are retaining, not being able to focus. Again, the breathing tends to help a lot of that. Also, I've noticed with lack of focus or lack of embodiment or being fully in a child's body, they have, there is a tendency for kids to have heightened senses. Their hearing is really intense or even smells can be very strong for them to the point where it takes them out of their body and that's where their um, attention is going. So for kids who tend to not focus very well, sometimes there's an overload in sensory stuff where it isn't overpowering, it's taking their brain's attention. They're not really comfortable with themselves and their body. So learning, again, that breath work is a lot of how I get to get kids to be more present with them. If they really are highly distracted, then I'll use an eyes closed breathing or they're used to or use multitasking. Again, multitasking in academics is not a skill. We want kids to do one thing at a time fully so that they can digest that information completely. Or another factor that can affect academics and learning negatively is comparison or not having enough personal successes in and out of school. This looks like thinking that all students or children or people are the same. We're not. <laughs> no child is. So we have to know that we're trying to teach children how to best learn for themselves. It always comes back to how do you learn? What tool do you need? What is going to make you successful in this situation, on this assignment, in this group setting, this classroom? And we need to individualize stuff a little bit more for them so that they're not stuck in comparison. We're not going to all be the same. Even in a classroom of, you know, 10-year-olds, there's a, a wide gamut of how kids process. I have a friend who has a lot of knowledge in the self-help world and, you know, has done a lot of courses and learned a lot of information and has a lot of amazing skills and knowledge at this point, but actually hasn't done anything with this knowledge because of comparison. I've noticed that there's many excuses. I don't have enough money to start or I only want to do this if I'm going to make a ton of money and is scared to try because other people have already done it or have done it maybe better or will judge him. But really, when we realize there's, you know, many teachers in the world, there's many doctors in the world, there's many 
artist in the world. So there's always somebody who is going to benefit from your knowledge. But sometimes as adults, even we don't even try because we're stuck in that comparison or we are stuck in perfectionism even. So I'm, I'm watching him be stuck and nothing has gotten done for years now, maybe because of it. So comparison is the thief of joy. And we sometimes with learning or doing something new, we won't even try because we are scared of what the repercussions will be. So not feeling successful anywhere in life for students, academics or outside so that they can draw on this bank of successes I talk about often so they can actually achieve and accomplish more because they have something to build off. Remember one celebration, one math age, one talking them up and reinforcing them positively and deconstructing that power of that negative story will change the route, the progression. But it's also in the not expecting students to be the same, nor them having to be. No child is like anybody else. (laughs) So we have to really embrace that and help them um, see that for themselves. Another factor that I've noticed is diet. So let's be honest about kids' menus. You know, there's not very many choices to healthy options. They kind of are in that burger or cheeseburger or grilled cheese, chicken nugget kind of thing. I oh, Years ago, Jamie Oliver was trying to redesign the LAUSD school lunch program. And in that program, ketchup was considered a vegetable. So we know that the food system's a little bit broken when we know that ketchup is not a vegetable and there is more of that power of big corporations that are affecting what we as people eat and what children eat. So there is the type of studies of how food affects the brain. And again, children's brains are developing in the first 24 years, like exponentially. And we have that huge rise in child obesity, right? If our body's not healthy, our brain's not going to be healthy. It's going to be harder to excel in academics. Like our brain is part of the body, So too much processed sugar or food, kids needing whole foods, vegetables, and fruits at a higher rate. Again, I'm a big fan of the 80-20 rule. I don't think it's possible to be super clean and extreme in our modern society, especially with a broken food system in America, but we can make choices that are going to help them process a a little bit better. The food that we eat, children or adults, are the building blocks of our brain tissue, muscle, and body. So when we are eating something, it's like, what do I want my cells to be made out of? There was this really interesting study at a school, a delinquency school. So a delinquency school where kids get sent because their behavior is so extreme that they can't function in a normal school. And this school decided to change the diet of their students to nutritious food. And 90% of the behavior problems went away. So diet had such an extreme that it changed the behavior of how kids are functioning. I just recently listened to something about even with water, a kid will test 
better by drinking one glass of water before a test than if they hadn't. So even dehydration and, and having enough water in the system will help the brain and learning and academics. I also just saw a post from Sean Stevenson's Instagram. He's a scientist and author of Eat Smarter and Sleep Smarter. And he posted other countries' school lunches compared to America. And the contrast is striking. Italy, Finland, Brazil are feeding their kids these whole nutritious foods with no processed foods, while our school lunches come with a side of ketchup as a vegetable. So again, diet can... Um, can affect how a, a child's brain is processing too. So the more whole foods, the more less processed food, less sugar, that's going to help. The last factor that I was referring to in this episode is too much technology. So I personally, at the beginning of COVID, I noticed because I was on my phone more than I was before the week that kind of the pandemic started, I noticed that my attention had shortened because I was on my phone, on the computer way more than normal. And just by being on technology for too long, as an adult, my attention span was shortened. So too much technology doesn't help with attention span and the brain-body connection. There's actually studies about how even as adults, our attention span has gotten so short <laughs> that we totally, we just with, can only watch a few minute, maybe a few second videos. It's funny because the big tech people like Steve Jobs doesn't even let his kids when they were growing up, use the iPad that he's part of because he was aware of what this does to the brain. And again, I know for myself, when I was listening to the news the first two weeks of COVID, I felt like I gave myself ADD because I was on technology at a higher rate than normal and noticed my own lack of attention and focus from doing this. I had to put it away to regulate that. And same with kids. They need to use their body to learn. They need to have movement. They have to have a place off of technology. They need real books, real pencils. The, the body, the hand motions needs to move to really get new information into the brain and to develop the physiology, right? And then our genetics have not evolved at the rate of our advancements in technology, not at the rate of how our food is processed or with it being here with instant gratification, just there, everything in balance, everything in moderation. But some of these things we can really make some conscious choices of and try to mitigate their effects a little bit more knowing how they can adversely affect the learning process for children in general. Again, I really use breath work and gratitude to combat some of the bigger issues that affect learning adversely, the lack of confidence, the negative self-talk and lack of focus. These things can really change the game when we consciously give kids tools that is going to help them um, combat those things. Be sure to sign up for the foundation course. This course is here to support you. It teaches the exact foundational tools I have used with students to ease anxiety and help raise confidence and self-esteem so that they can succeed in all areas of their lives, including academics. It's available as a one-time purchase or as an ongoing monthly subscription with extra group support and monthly live stream. Be sure to sign up for the newsletter to stay in contact. Keep up with the Creating Confident Learners community on Instagram and Facebook at Creating Confident Learners. Have a blessed day and aloha.